0: Okay, renal failures. We're going to talk about a couple different types. First one is what we call acute renal failure. Acute renal failure has a 50 percent mortality with treatment. So either we're doing something wrong or it's just a really, really bad thing in the first place. You take your choice. Now there's basically three different types of acute renal failure: pre-renal failure, intrarenal failure and renal All right, now prerenal means it happens before you get to the kidney, And the most common thing here is decreased blood flow. So tell me, what would cause decreased blood flow? Okay, Now, necrosis is caused by decreased blood flow, not the other way around. Sagan? Okay, so arterial sclerosis. Now, do we have a disease in which there's a narrowing of the arteries of the kidneys? What would that be called? Renal artery Sten- stenosis. 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 Renal artery stenosis. And I taught you to screen for that in health assessment. How do you do it? It doesn't screen. It doesn't catch it until it's very late stage. But say again? listening for the whooshing. And what would the whooshing be called? A bruit. So you listen for renal breweries. Now that's not going to catch. Anything except very, very late disease, but that's okay. I mean, it's still better than not doing anything, right? So renal artery stenosis is one possible cause of decreasing blood flow. Atherosclerosis of the renal artery. Give me another reason why we could have decreased blood flow. Okay, so heart failure. You're just not pumping as much blood in the first place. Hypovolemia. So, dehydration. You just don't have enough blood to pump. Give me another reason. Anemia is not so much. Because in anemia, it's a problem of not enough red blood cells, not volume itself. So, in this case, it's the volume of blood that's going through. Do we have any medications that would decrease blood flow to the kidney? To the kidney. We do, and you probably don't remember them because they were part of the very first drug classes we talked about, which were neurodrugs. You're like, no, I don't remember. Okay. What drugs would you give to a patient in shock? Okay, well, epinephrine is n- not exactly the right answer, but it's very close to epinephrine, and that would be? norepinephrine what's the what's the brand name of norepinephrine levofed and what's the what's the nickname for levofed leave them dead yes so in levofed or norepinephrine what are the side effects it's going to make the heart do what it's going to make the heart go faster and harder that's going to improve blood flow right but what else will it do It makes renal arteries constrict, which diverts blood flow away from them. So you can actually cause renal failure by giving levofed. Say again? All right. Intrarenal. What would be an intrarenal cause, do you think? Intra- now, now we're talking about inside the kidney. do like local damage. Give me an example of one. Okay, in the glomerulus, give me one. Like glomerulonephritis. Okay, good. Like kidney stones, if you're just blocking the urine production. Anything that would block urine production can cause interrenal failure. Now, actually, I'm sorry, Post, that would be considered a post-renal, would be the kidney stones. I guess you could say if the stone is still inside the kidney then it's intrarenal if it's in the ureter then it would be considered post renal either way who cares now well how do we treat acute renal failure yeah. no well okay you can dialy- dialyze the patient temporarily but really what do we have to do okay if the, if there's been death of kidney cells yes you'll need a transplant but what do we say the acute renal failure causes were? We need to treat the underlying condition. So if it's decreased blood flow, increase the blood flow. Now, did we learn about a drug that can increase blood flow to the kidney just yesterday? Yes, we did. I wouldn't be asking the question otherwise, right? What was that question? What was that drug now? It's okay, you can flip back if you need a refresher. Do we have a drug that can increase renal blood flow to the kidney, which is redundant? Not to joxin. Mannitol. Mannitol increases blood flow to the kidney and can be used to prevent kidney failure in patients with shock. Now, you guys are going to forget all this, but the seniors who are right now taking uh, applied patho, which is kind of like... Study hall, so we don't fail critical care and Peds OB. Um, they have patients who actually were on menotol. so you know you may get to see that one day. And guess how many of them remembered what it was for? No. Well, a couple of them, but they probably looked it up. But then they probably said, "Oh yeah, we learned about that." Now here's the dirty secret of healthcare: there's too much for everyone to remember. It's just too much. So what's the purpose of all of this? part of it is to have you familiar with things so that when someone says something and you go oh yeah it sounds very familiar and you look it up on your pda you don't have to relearn everything you go oh yeah that's right i understand that now some things you're going to have to relearn three or four times that's okay i've had to relearn them three or four times too (laughs) yeah yes just like that anyway so, for acute renal failure, what do we have to do? Treat the underlying condition. Now, on a test where you have a patient who's got renal failure because they have kidney stones blocking the ureter. And here's your, right an- here's your answers. Administer mannitol. Give a bolus of normal saline. Dialysis and lithotripsy. Now, what is lithotripsy? It's a way to break down kidney stones. Out of those, which do you think is the right answer? Okay. So they're all possible treatments for renal, acute renal failure, right? But which is the right one for that patient? Okay. Next, let's talk about chronic renal insufficiency and chronic renal failure. Now, Below 60 is considered renal insufficiency. Below 30 is considered renal failure. And below 15 is considered ESRD. What is ESRD? End-stage renal disease. The only only true cure for that is kidney transplant. To keep the person alive, in the meantime, we can Dialyze. dialyze them. How often are patients typically dialyzed? three to four times a week, depending on the patient. And it's basically every other day. Have any of you taken care of a patient who's on dialysis on the day of their dialysis? What are they like after their dialysis? They're just like, they feel tired all the time. Why do they feel tired all the time? Okay, well, they feel tired on the day of dialysis because they just had their blood sucked out of them. I've lost blood and I feel faint. But why do they feel tired all the time? Now, do the kidneys re- do the kidneys release hormones? What? what hormone does the kidney produce? Erythropoietin. So, patients with kidney failure will typically have. Now. Today, we treat them with giving them artificial theropoietin, but it's still not fun. So, chronic renal insufficiency, chronic renal failure. For the patients that we have, would they ever be up for transplant? again? the patients in the nursing homes who are like on dial, would they ever be up for a kidney transplant? probably like not? Okay, so we're not really supposed to do transplant stuff that much in here but basically there's there's criteria they have to have a you know part of it is the age part of it is the reason they have the disease their ability to live a full and meaningful life after the transplant etc so once they're in the nursing home unless that's the only reason they're there chances are they're probably not going to get a kidney unless someone donates one to them specifically yeah, here, take my kidney. All right, now let's talk about, let's talk about renal failure in general, especially acute. <laughs> now, what are the kidneys in charge of? Filtering stuff. And what's the number one waste product kidneys get rid of? Okay, well, urine is the combination of all of them. But what's the number one waste product they get rid of? Water. Yeah, Some of you are going to get that wrong on the test, too. So, in acute renal failure, the first thing we're going to notice, well, one of the first things we'll notice is that fluid volume goes up. What's the, what's the way we measure that? How can we measure to see, hey, you've got excess fluid volume? Okay, output goes down. In relationship to input, what else? Weight goes up. Wow, you gained ten pounds in two days. You've been really eating a lot. Okay, what else? Not in the abdomen for renal failure, for kidney failure, or for liver failure. Yes, but not for kidney. Okay, edema in the extremities. Give me one more. Not diaphoresis. Say again? Okay, close to heart rate. High blood pressure. All right, so our patient is going to have decreased output, (coughs) high blood pressure, edema, and increased weight. BUN and creatinine are going to go up, and electrolytes are going to go up. Which electrolytes? All of them. All right, urine output is going to go down and uh, less than 400 milliliters per day. Now, how many hours are there in a day? 24. And if we divide 400 by 24, what do we get? Less than what? Okay, it is less than 30, but how much less? Say again. So it's about 180 per day, per hour. What are you saying? No, I was saying that was the
1: difference.
0: Oh. Gotcha. Okay, so it's about 15 or 16 per hour is what that ends up being. Now, the patient will also get azotemia. Now, blood urea nitrogen... Is something that your liver produces from the breakdown of proteins. What will happen is over time they'll have an increased amount of all different types of nitrogenous substances in their body. And azotemia is high levels of urea. Now if it can't get out of your liver, sorry of your kidneys, it'll start coming out in other places. And that other place is on your skin. And so they have a frost of nitrogen crystals growing on their skin. Yeah. Now, Tiffany, you're lifeguard, right? Have you ever been on the beach where it's a really windy day and the wind is just whipping over the seawall? What happens to your skin after a while? You get all these salt crystals all over you, right? Well, it's the same thing that happens to these patients, except it's coming from inside their blood. And it's not salt, it's urea. We call that uremic frost. Patients will have a yellow color, and it's not the same yellow as jaundice, which is a buildup of bilirubin, and usually caused by problems with the liver. This is a yellow from urea being built up, coming out their skin and forming crystals. Now, Um, Not necessarily. Now, the thing about azotemia is, do you think that having crystals come out through your skin is not exactly painful, but it is something else? Itchy. Itchy like crazy. Now, the kidneys are typically in charge of producing what products to buffer acid? Bicarb. The the hydrogen is the acid. So, when you have kidney failure, they stop producing enough bicarb, and the patient will begin to go into acidosis. Their body will stop producing, their kidneys will stop producing erythropoietin, and the patient will become anemic. They will also become agranulocytic. They have agranulocytosis, also known as What's a, what's a granulocyte? Which white blood cells? You said one, neutrophils. Give me another two, basophils, yeah. yeah. eosinophils. 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 Which are the most important for us? Yeah. Neutrophils. Yeah. neutrophils. So we can also call this neutropenia. Now here's the stages. First thing we have is initiation. This is when the patient goes into renal failure. They'll become oliguric within one to seven days. Then if we can correct the cause, you know, if we can treat the underlying cause and cure them, they will begin to diurese like crazy. And then they'll get better. Now, while we're waiting for them to get through this and back to the diuretic phase and recovery, we can keep them alive through dialysis. All right, Um, blah, 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 blah. All right, we talked about all of those pre-renals. Now, the drugs we can use, dopamine. Dopamine in low doses is selective for kidney dopamine receptors and will actually cause increased renal perfusion. In higher doses, it also affects alpha receptors and the benefits kind of shut down. There's a lot of... um, controversy over whether low-dose really works or not. The other one we can use is mannitol, which we already talked about. Question? You said that dopamine increases renal perfusion? Yeah, in, small, in low doses. There, there are some hospitals that say there's no such thing as low-dose dopamine. It doesn't work. So, you know, it'll depend on where you work and who your doctors are as to whether you'll ever see it or not. So low-dose would be for renal perfusion. All right, intrarenal. We, talk, oh, we haven't talked about acute tubular necrosis, have we? Hmm. All right, well, acute tubular necrosis is destruction of the tubules. Now, where do our tubules live? What do they make up? And what is that whole thing together called? The nephron. So what we're talking about here is essentially destruction of the nephron. And here are some causes of acute tubular necrosis. The most common one is ischemia which would be called decreased blood flow. Next one is toxins, poisons. Included within that poison are pigments. And see this little thing right here? Contrast. So some of the pigments we use for um, x-rays and CTs are actually toxic to some people's kidneys. So if a patient has a history of acute tubular necrosis or c- certain kidney problems, you can't give them contrast. Postrenal, kidney stones are quite common, and then strictures, which would be uh, basically just a narrowing of a ureter. Also, cancer, if a patient has a cancer that puts pressure on a, on a ureter and smushes it off, then that's going to cause problems. Um, hydronephrosis, what is hydronephrosis? What you, water on the, on the kidney. Now, what can happen in a kidney stone? is If the kidney stone blocks off the ureter, what happens to the urine that's being produced by the kidney? It starts backing up into the kidney. Now, as the volume of urine in the kidney expands, what happens to the kidney? Blows up like a balloon. And that can cause renal failure. So kidney stones can actually cause acute renal failure if uncorrected. And the uh, treatment is to remove the blockage. So in kidney stones, how can we remove the blockage? What's the best way to do it? (laughs) Increase water until they pee it out can't happen in everyone. Why not? Too big. Some of them are just too big. So if it's too big, what else can you do? Can okay, you can remove them surgically. You can go up the, up the urethra, into the bladder, up to the ureter, and oh. it out. What else can we do? Well, down it down. What? Drug. The drug for what? It's not a drug. It's a process. That's the next one we're going to talk about is lithotripsy. Yeah. Lithotripsy is using sound waves to shatter the stone. What's the problem with lithotripsy? Because now, instead of one stone, you have hundreds of stones. Has anyone here ever had a kidney stone? It is the worst pain in the world. Like, I've known women who have given birth naturally and had kidney stones, and they agree with me. Kidney stones are worse than childbirth. Because... A woman's vagina is meant to have something pushed through it. Our ureters and urethras are not. So, so incredibly painful. What your patient will be like most likely is just incredible pain where? Okay, the back. We call it the flank. So, right in this area here. So, what else will they have? If you do a urinalysis on them, what will they have most likely? Blood and protein, but no bacteria. No bacteria. So that's how you can tell, well, it's not a UTI, because there's no bacteria. But there is blood and protein. They'll probably be nauseated and may throw up. So you want to treat the pain, and you want to treat the nausea. We actually had a student, um, in a senior last year, um, have classic symptoms of uh, kidney stone. So, sent her to the emergency room. Turns out she has two ureters coming off one kidney. So, what happened to her was she was a little bit dehydrated and one of them just pinched off. So, she was getting the same symptoms as though she had a kidney stone, even though she didn't. It was pretty cool. Creepy. (laughs) Creepy. So, really? so she, she has three ureters: two from one kidney and one from another. So, why does she have does she have another it's because it's the spasm from the one. So, anyway, I'm telling you: if you have a patient with kidney stones, be nice to them. Give them give them lots of Finnegan and lots of morphine. Um, another thing that you can do for these kidney stones is you can give them what's called an intravenous pyelogram, where they inject dye into the kidney and then use a fluoroscope to see where it goes and they can see the stones. But the dye is very thick and sometimes will actually push the stones out. So, there you go. So, what's the best way to do it? Drink lots of water and pee them out or prevent them in the first place. Now, there's several different kinds of stones. Are we talking about stones yet? No. Oh. All right. There's several different kinds of stones, but by far the most common ones are calcium oxalate. Now, increased calcium does not cause stones. However, while a patient has a stone, we're not going to give them extra calcium. What causes them are increased oxalates, and it really seems to be more of a genetic predisposition but at the same time influenced by the person's diet. So what has a lot of oxalates in them? Tea, Coke, beer doesn't, but beer can cause other types of stones. So this is something you can uh, look up. But the important thing for you to remember is that if a patient has a history of kidney stones, they don't have to limit their calcium intake. Possibly. Wait, if, they have if they have a history. But while they have the kidney stone, they shouldn't take, their, they shouldn't take calcium while they have the kidney stone. The difference is, is it doesn't cause them to come on, but once they're there, it could cause it to grow bigger. All right. Chronic kidney disease. The two biggest causes of kidney disease. Number one is diabetes, and the number two is hypertension. So how are we going to prevent those two major causes of chronic kidney disease? Treat, the disease? Treat the underlying diabetes and hypertension. Now, do we have any drugs in particular that can help prevent chronic kidney disease in those two diseases? Yes, yes we do. ACE inhibitors and ARBs, which we will talk about um, I would say next Tuesday, but you guys are wanting to push it back till later. Actually, no, we have to, we have to start the heart before. Because next week is week seven, and your test isn't until week nine, and we're not going to just give you a whole week off. So So we're starting with, we're starting with arteries on uh, next week. Woohoo. In fact, I think we should have a quiz next week, too. It'll be fun. I'll email you with your quiz. Exactly. Amy, you're very wise. Okay, so remember this. Remember this. ACE inhibitors and angiotensin receptor blockers help prevent chronic kidney disease and what two diseases? Hypertension and diabetes. Now, how are you going to know whether a patient has kidney damage from those two diseases? What's the test? Not ketones. Protein in the urine. Now, there's an additional test you can do. Protein in the urine is, is, you have to have pretty much a lot of protein in the urine before it will detect it. But there's a more expensive proteinuria test you can do called microalbuminuria, which is very, detects very small amounts of protein in the urine. So typically those are only used for diabetic patients, not for um, hypertensive patients. Say again? Angiotensin receptor blocker. We'll talk about them in a lot more detail in a week or two. All right, manifestations. Manifestations of chronic kidney disease. Early on, you're going to have decreased creatinine clearance and decreased glomerular filtration rate. You'll begin to have high BUN and high creatinine and proteinuria. What? Frothy? I don't think it's frothy. Maybe. Um, Later on, patient can have fluid retention, which will lead to edema and oliguria and high blood pressure, anemia, which will lead to reduced erythropoietin, which will, because of reduced erythropoietin, and then acidosis and electrolyte imbalances. And just like your acute renal failure patient can have uremic frost. So can your chronic kidney patient what's the treatment for chronic kidney failure yeah yep treatment is dialysis once it's gone to failure and uh, what's the cure for kidney failure transplant okay um,